0: really is about the partnerships, right? Breaking it down. I'm in in the real estate field, but it goes for any business, right? You'll have different facets of your business. Break down what you're really good at and what you can accomplish in the least amount of time, and then delegate the rest. Don't be afraid to give up slices of the pie. Don't be afraid to give up equity. You can own 100% of $100,000, or you can own 10% of a million dollars. It's the same amount of money, but one of them is going to be a heck of a lot more work.
1: Every successful entrepreneur started with one goal in mind, freedom, Freedom.
2: financial freedom, and time freedom. You read books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and dreamed of one day building a successful business that you paid others to manage while you sat back and watched the money pile up. But in the real world, most entrepreneurs fail at adequately preparing their business for their exit. The exit is the essential step of creating distance between your business and your active involvement in it. The exit is the power play that gives you the freedom you desire in life. It's your business, and only you can define what a successful exit is for you, so you have to own it. We're here to help you do just that. You're listening to Own The Exit. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Only the Exit. We're really excited about a, another show for you guys today. I'm your co-host, Aaron. Hey, and I'm your co-host, Caleb. And I honestly
1: am thrilled by the guest that we have today, Hollis and I. It's actually William Hollis. Goes by Hollis, right? Yep. That's yeah. Cool. That's it. So man, Hollis, welcome to the show. So you are a software engineer by background and by trade, but your whole life you've been kind of an out-of-the-box thinker. You've been somebody who's operated with a set of core values that's probably different than the average person, right? Like the values of entrepreneurship, right? And that that makes you a really great guest Mm -hmm. for our show. We're really excited to have it. You know, Hollis has built a tremendous business, you know, that's relatively new and young, but is really growing, really going in the right direction. And one of the main reasons we wanted to have him on the show is he is starting with the end in mind, right? And so building his company in real estate investing with the idea, you know, and we're going to talk more about this I want to hear Hollis talk about this, but the importance of partnerships, the importance of how to build those right partnerships, how to pick your partner wisely all of those kind of things. I'm really excited about, you know, you as our listeners being able to hear from Hollis, you know, the process of how to pick partners, why partners are important in terms of building with the end in mind, and then how to make those partners, those partnerships the most effective in accomplishing what you want to accomplish. So
0: Hollis, thank you, man, for joining us on The Exit. Man, thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited to be here and dive into all those topics you guys talked about. I love business, love partnerships, and love real estate. So happy to get into it. That's awesome. So, hey, just
2: give us a quick, uh, you know, a couple of minutes on your background. What, you know, you grew up in
0: Queens, is that right? Yep. I'm actually from Hollis, Queens. So, Hollis from Hollis. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Two blocks <laughs> off of Hollis Avenue. There was Hollis Cleaners, yeah. Hollis Deli, Hollis Grocery Store. <laughs> and there's Hollis Real Estate. And then there's Hollis Real Estate. Yeah. <laughs>
2: When we were chatting earlier, you said something about your landlord coming and collecting the rent monthly, and something inside of you like spark, and you're like, "I want to collect that rent." Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah. Get into <laughs> business and entrepreneurship, and tell us a little bit of your journey, you know, from your, you know, childhood and kind of growing up, and then and then getting into, you know, your career and and your business.
0: Yeah, so I mean, really, it, it does start way back there. You know, Hollis Queens, we had a house uh, we rented from a, our landlord's name was Mister Carter. Mr. Carter owned a bunch of houses in the neighborhood. This is like, you know, back in the 90s, he's coming around collecting the rent. By the end of the day, I, I see his wallet and it literally can't even fold. There's so many hundred dollar bills. Sounds in dangerous. <laughs> so, you know, seven year old me is like, man, I don't know what Mr. Carter's done, but obviously his financial situation is different than mine, right? And so I, I, it kind of really just stuck with me. Like, how do I get there? And I always saw a real estate as the path to do that. Not necessarily from a business standpoint at that point, I just thought it was a matter of going out and buying a bunch of houses. Unfortunately, I had a really limiting belief, like a limited mindset growing up in that environment where most of my friends didn't own houses. Their parents didn't own houses unless you know it was inherited. That was the only way to own property. And so even well into my 20s, I didn't think I could ever buy a house. Even though I, I had the money to buy a house, I had a decent job. You know, my my girlfriend at the time and I, she also also had a very good job. We could have certainly bought a house, but just in my mind, it was something that I didn't believe was available to me. I'd even started several businesses since then. I owned, you know, small businesses and web design. I've always been attracted to technology and kind of, you know, getting my hands on on the nuts nuts and bolts of things. And it wasn't until a buddy of mine uh, invited me to a real estate little meetup near my house where I was living in Connecticut at the time. He takes me to this meetup. And they're talking all about wholesale and real estate, which is more business than real estate in reality. It's really like a little marketing business of going out and marketing to motivated sellers and, you know, getting those properties under contract, flipping those contracts. So it was like a business and so, but that really intrigued me because again, it was a really outside the box way of going about getting into the real estate world. And it kind of helped me to overcome that limiting belief I had that it was just something that I couldn't afford. Right. So we did that for a while. He and I started that business, but then talking about having the end in mind, my end goal was always to be Mr. Carter, just kind of coming around, collecting hundred (laughs) dollar bills once a month. I did not want to have to work the phones like I was doing with wholesaling. Right. right? So I started trying to figure out when, how do I actually acquire some of these properties? Well, the fact of the matter is in the 15 years since I'd left Hollis Queens, real estate has only gotten more expensive. So I had to figure out you know, how to partner with people to actually take down these deals. And then when you start bringing partners on the deals and you're looking at single family houses, it, there's not a lot of meat on the bone there, duplexes, quads, there's a little bit of meat, but not really you know, worth the, the effort. But then you start to get in, into some of the more you know, larger multifamily deals or different types of deals like portfolios and, and funds and things like that. Partnerships start to make a lot more sense. And so that's what led me to start 24 Capital Group with some... Bumps and bruises along the way for sure. But uh that's what led me to start the firm and, and it kind of brought me to where I am now. That's awesome.
2: Wow, that is so cool. What do you look for, I guess, in a partner? You said that you know, as you get into these bigger deals, you bring partners on. I'd love to hear how you find partners, how you vet them, how you determine what each person <sighs> is gonna do, and what does that look like for you on some of these larger deals?
0: There's been, been some bumps and bruises with that as well. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, initially uh, it was just like, who wants to partner? Who who out there wants to help? And it was more so maybe from coming from a place of taking rather than giving. And what I learned over time was the more you can bring to a relationship, the better quality partners you'll find and the the more help that you'll get from others. So the first thing really is it starts with understanding my value add. Like, what can I bring to the table? What are my unique abilities? One of which is talking. Like if you can't tell already, I love to talk, right? So that's a huge way of how I meet partners in the first place is going out networking, meeting people. And then the secret is kind of in the follow-up after that, right? After you meet someone at a networking event, you get this fat stack of business cards that like ends up on the floor under your desk of it usually, right? But actually following up with people. And I kind of developed a little system for that my business card follow-up system when someone hands you a business card if you really want to talk to them i just put a small tear in that one and then at the end of the night i throw the ones that aren't torn away (laughs) that way i can remember who i actually really thought i had some synergy with and who i really wanted to follow up with because the fact of the matter is like 50 business cards i'm not going to call 50 people like i'm not going to have 50 lunches with random people so and then from the partner it really comes down to more than anything for me, it comes down to that alignment of core values, right? Because if we both have the same values, even if you know we're in different asset classes or you're in a totally different field of business than I am, maybe we can't partner right now, right? But who knows what opportunities will come down the road or if there's something small I can help you with. Like I've helped businesses, implement specific systems because I'm a tech guy, right? So help them implement specific systems and CRMs and things like that. And while those aren't, you know, like massive real estate partnerships, big deals, but they're just small ways to partner with people because we have an understanding between one another. We share the same values. And so we're able to communicate in a very positive way with one another, even if it's not about doing a deal right now
1: for our listeners, if, if you ever meet Hollis at a networking event, you want to make sure he tears your
2: business card. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Just give it to him torn already. Don't
1: think that, don't, yeah, just hand it. He'll exactly. So man, the secret's out. So your system's broke, man. You're going to have to come up with a different one, I think. <laughs> the ones I
0: don't tear.
1: There you go. So exactly. Oh, that's so cool, man. So yeah. So tell us, I think I just had this question come to mind Tell us about a partnership that didn't work oh, and what yeah. you learned <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. as
1: a way to kind of reverse engineer the process of picking <laughs> a right partner, right? Tell us how to pick a wrong partner.
0: Well, you know what? I've had partnerships where, and it's not, again, we had an alignment of values, but we partnered on the wrong thing because oh, okay. it was in a way that we, we both were bringing the same things to the table and- We didn't have the same unique abilities, but our unique abilities didn't complement one another, right? Because say, for example, we'll take real estate and let's say I like raising capital. I like going out, talking to investors, having dinner with investors. What I don't like is dealing with brokers and going out driving to see properties, right? Well, let's say, Caleb, your strong suit is the numbers you love analyzing deals But you also don't like going out and and talking to, talking to brokers and going to see properties, right? Now we've got a partnership where nobody wants to drive out to see the property.
1: So we got math and we've got people, but we don't have anything to buy. But we
0: don't have anything to buy, right? (laughs) Then you end up kind of, you know, I really like to partner in a way where everybody gets to focus on their unique ability. This is something I actually learned from uh, Hunter Thompson, What is that if you focus on your unique ability – you'll get a lot farther because you're doing something that you enjoy, right? So whenever you have to put in a little bit more work or you hit roadblocks or challenges, you like it anyway, right? So you're going to keep on doing it. And so I kind of stay away from things that I don't enjoy doing in business at this point just because I've found that I don't do them well, right? I'm better off getting someone else who loves doing it and they're going to crush it and Mm -hmm. I don't mind forming a partnership or even, you know, paying them or whatever that looks like.
1: Exactly. I was going to say, because that philosophy works with partnerships, but also with hiring employees, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you find that you're spending, you know, 15 hours a week doing something that you hate... And you have three of those things, right? Well, you got a 45 hour work week where you're doing stuff that basically you suck at. Like, let's be honest, if you hate it, you're not going to typically be great at it. Then it's like, okay, who can I hire? Who can I outsource? What partnership can I form? And so, yeah, I mean, it sounds like, tell me how that kind of thinking, you know, because obviously, you know, you have a lot of wisdom, knowledge, and experience on forming partnerships, right? With a huge, you know, networking skill set and things like that. And so I'd love to hear how you've built your business intentionally with that sort of mindset onto building a business that honestly doesn't demand your constant involvement, you know, either now or certainly that you're building it with that end in mind.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and to your point, right? I think that's something to remember in business And because you always hear, oh, who not how, who not how, find somebody to do it. The fact of the matter is in the beginning, you probably won't be able to hire anybody, right? Like depending on what your initial capital investment or like what your runway looks like, you probably can't hire anybody. And some stuff is too small of a task to get a partner for, right? So sometimes in the beginning, like I'm in in that phase myself, I'm still doing things I don't necessarily like to do or that are not, you know, my unique ability. But that's how it is in the beginning with, with some businesses. But talking about building with the end in mind, for example, I know I don't want to get up and drive around and go look at properties. It's not something that I'm super interested in doing where I'm at in my life right now. I don't have a ton of time to dedicate to something like that. So when I do deals, I try to do all the tasks where I can sit here in my armchair and get them done. (laughs) Right. So all the tasks in my business. And with that means that I don't do acquisitions, right? It's not that I am not good at it or, even that I dislike it so much as I know it's not going to be the best use of my time and give me that best return Mm -hmm. on time, I can affect a lot more change and and move the needle a lot more sitting right here. Right. So all of my deals I do, it's someone else's deal. They went out and found the property. They went out and, you know, negotiated with the broker or negotiated with the agent or whatever the case may be. And then (laughs) here's my secret and how I've kind of thought about it outside the box is Well, I'll put it to you this way. If two people walk into a room full of brokers, real estate brokers, and one person says, hey, I want a deal. The other person says, hey, I have money. Who gets the deal? The person who said I have money every time. He's going to get a better deal than the other guy. That's for sure. So my objective with my business is to say, hey, I'm the guy with money. Now you can bring me the best deals that you have, you know, and that's building it with the end in mind because I want it to be as passive as possible. And things I'm doing here from this chair, are a lot of them have been automated, right? So after the initial workload on a deal, there's not too much else to go into it. So um, I'm able to make it a really passive income thing for not only my investors, but also for myself.
2: Yeah. Wow. You said something about mindset. I just wanted to go back to that because... Uh, resonated with me of being successful in the sense of having a good job, even starting businesses, but having this limiting belief that you can't buy a house, which I just think how like all of us have those limiting beliefs in varying areas and we don't even know we have them, you know, and it's just like ingrained in us. And maybe it's, well, I don't think I could buy a house or then it's, well, I don't think I could buy a rental house. And then it's, I don't think I could buy an apartment building. You know, and then it's, Mm -hmm. I don't think I could buy a 200 unit one. I could only buy a 50 unit one, you know, or I could only, you know, there's all these barriers that we just set uh, in our minds that aren't even real. And Uh, talk about that a little bit more, how you overcame that, that shift in your mind from, I can't even buy a house to now, you know, raising millions of dollars to buy, you know, big apartment buildings and these other assets that you're doing now.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a tough one. I think it's it's really multi-layered, right? Because you have what's called imposter syndrome, right? When you start doing something and it's like, oh, I've never done this before. Do I even believe I can actually do it? And then on top of that, all these things, to your point, that we're kind of molded by our childhood on, right? Like growing up as a kid in Queens, it was just like, dude, I don't know anybody who owns houses. Like how do people even, Mr. Carter owns a house, but he has 20. Like, I don't know anybody who's like just getting started or how to even do it. No one's teaching those things. So for me, it really became a matter of, education you know obviously like i call it youtube university but really just like self education right teaching ourselves things through reading books podcasts whatever you want to call it i mean i spent countless hours of my life in the bigger pockets rabbit hole because it's it's a phenomenal resource of just learning untraditional ways to accomplish things right because when I first did my first ever wholesale deal, I still didn't think that I could buy a property (laughs) even in that moment, but I thought I could wholesale a property. So I went about it. I went about it that way. And after doing enough of those deals, I had enough education to where I really understood how real estate works. And I think that's kind of the key is like that education (laughs) is how you get the confidence. I think Mosey says confidence breeds confidence. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. So but when we learn about things, we naturally become more confident when we know the topic, right? So education in whatever business field, just educate yourself to the point where it's like, man, I I know. I know I know because I've read it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I've looked at the evidence. I've talked to, I've spoken to other professionals and I've shared my opinions. They agreed with me, they were very valuable then you get validated and it helps to overcome those limiting beliefs. But I mean, it's still something I struggle with even now. Like, I don't think it's, it ever goes away, right? Every time you break through a glass ceiling, there's another one there that you have to kind of push through.
1: Man, I'm hearing you say all these things. It's like in three different ways, you've highlighted kind of what I would call the domino effect, right? I watched this. I mean, everybody knows if, if you've ever been on YouTube, you've heard of Mr. Beast, right? Like it's the number one YouTube channel in the world. He makes like $100 million a year or something on YouTube. It's ridiculous, right? There's this one video where he created the world's tallest domino, and he started it with just a normal-sized domino, and then every domino after that was just slightly bigger Up until like this domino that was like the size of a three or four story building. Right. And he literally videoed him knocking that one little domino over and it knocks the bigger ones up down progressively until that big one falls down and like crushes a 7 Eleven. You know, (laughs) like literally (laughs) decimates a 7 Eleven. And it's like, I'm thinking like you're saying, okay, overcoming the limiting belief of buying my own home has led to now feeling like confident that I could buy a hundred unit apartment complex. And there's steps along the way. There's dominoes in between buying your house and buying the apartment complex. Right. And then you said wholesaling. I don't think I can buy, you know, this huge commercial property, but I think I can wholesale one house, but then the progression. And so, man, it's like, well, the wisdom that I'm like absorbing from you right now is if you're wanting to take down Goliath, right then you got to start fighting lions, tigers, and bears, right? A smaller enemy, right? You got to conquer a smaller limited belief Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: then progressively carries you forward to conquering those bigger things that you see down the line. I would love to hear even more about that on you. Like how did you knock the first domino down and how did you know you needed to?
0: I don't know if it was as intentional as lining it up, but essentially what it came down to was breaking the problem down. And I think this is something that all entrepreneurs realize we have to do, right? Like we all want to have a, be successful at whatever, in whatever business field we're in. And it's usually solving some problem. The more complex yeah. the problem, the better because you get paid more for it. But you don't start with solving that complex problem. You find something really simple that you can do. So for me, the first domino was cold calling. it. That was like the first step because I'm watching all the videos. I'm getting all the education and all comes. It's always like, oh, you got to go out and talk to motivated sellers, talk to motivated sellers. And really it's like, okay, well, can I have a conversation? And for anybody who's ever cold called anyone, it's like terrifying at first and it sucks. And it's really uncomfortable for you and for them. And nobody's having a good time. But like with anything, you get better at it, right? You get better at it over time. And so for me, I literally, my goal was to just, Make five calls a day. Not speak to five people. Just ring five numbers and whatever happened, happened. Right?
1: And hope they don't answer.
0: Hey, literally, <laughs> I was hoping. <laughs> I told you not, the first time someone answered the phone, I hung up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <awful. laughs> so it really is. I mean, and I still do that now where it's like, okay, you know, raising $6 million. All right. Well, what's... At the base level, what's like something really simple that I can do right now just to move the needle a little bit? Like you said, maybe just tip that first domino over. Is it making a phone call? Is it making a PowerPoint presentation? Whatever the case may be, right? Something like really simple. Is it familiarizing myself with the numbers? Just like, let me just read over this Excel, this pro until I just feel super confident. But find that first small thing and then especially if it's something to build your business like something i'm doing right now is cold outreach again not not cold calling but talking to people on on linkedin and it's just like set a hard number a goal for yourself you know five calls ten calls whatever ten messages or whatever it is and just do that bad boy every single day every single day without fail just do that do that do that do that and eventually either you'll get results or you won't, but something will happen. <laughs> something
1: will yeah. happen. And the more that you can automate that, the better, right? Like we actually, we, we, we do a similar cold outreach strategy on LinkedIn, but we've, we've been able to automate it, which is really nice. That's such good knowledge and insight in terms of, you know, picking the things that you want to do and then really being consistent
2: is, you know, to knock it down. It's really just about consistency. And those small steps, starting with those smaller steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. The mindset thing is such a big part of anything, right? Especially in business, because there's so many unknowns and we all feel just unprepared and it's an idea. And then we're like, well, I don't know if I can actually do it. And you know, (laughs) how am I going to get, you know, then even if it is successful, then there's more, more thoughts like, oh, this is going to be more work now and, or overwhelm or just all those different things. Right. A lot of it just comes back down to just our mindset though. Cause so much of that is just false. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing all that.
0: And if I can even build on top of that to so speaking about mindset, because I didn't grow up with much, I consider myself a very pragmatic person. Mm. So up until maybe four years ago, anyone who came up to me and said the word mindset, I thought was a loony bin. Straight <laughs> up, I was like, You're talking about mindset. I want to talk about dollars. Let's talk about money, right? And I think that is the situation for a lot of people, Who even some people who are successful. You kind of come in and it's like mindset. Well, what is mindset? It's so intangible and theoretical. But the fact of the matter is our thoughts control our actions, right? If we think in a certain way, we're going to act to follow that. And the proof is in the pudding. When you are thinking about food, suddenly you're hungry. Like you could just have a conversation about steak and French fries. Instantly you become hungry. <laughs>
1: I'm a steak right now.
0: But the, the same goes in business. If it's just like in our mind, if we don't actually believe we can do something or we feel like something is going to be too hard or there's going to be, I can't overcome the obstacles. And we just have that negative recording kind of playing in our mind, then Th- that's what's going to actually happen in real life. I don't know if it's the universe alignment. I don't know whatever you want to call it, but the way we think our mindset actually affects our results at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. We become wow. what we believe. We become what we believe. No, it's so good, man. So dude, I could honestly sit here and talk to you for another, you know, hour or two, you know, loving this conversation, yeah. but we're getting to the point in the show where we need to jump into the exit round. It's five questions that we ask every single guest that comes on the show, and we're excited to ask those to you, Hollis. So, welcome to the exit round, and the first question, man, we want to be trendy. Every business and entrepreneurship <laughs> podcast asks this question, so we want to be cool. So, here's the question. You ready? What's your all time favorite business book?
0: All time favorite business book. Let me look at my shelf here. I really liked Traction, but the most impactful one has been 12 Week a Year. What is that book about? Quarterly Planning at the end of the day. Like, it's a fancy name for quarterly planning, but I really like his extreme accountability approach. Like, if you had to do everything you were planning to do over a year in just 12 weeks, like, The world was going to end after 12 weeks. All you had was 12 weeks. What would you do? I really like that approach because it's more so about, as opposed to planning, it's more so about eliminating unnecessary tasks and really just focusing on what's going to move the needle and getting that done in a 12-week period. Oh, that's cool. That's cool.
2: Yeah, that's good. Okay, next question. What percentage of your current income is fully passive
0: versus earned? Fully passive, only about... 5%. 5%. And I say that because I'm currently working in and on my business, my real estate business, that's generating the income. So all of that is pretty active income at the moment.
2: that makes sense? No, absolutely. Yeah. So
1: question number three, what is one thing that you kind of wish you could do more of, but your commitments to your business are holding you back?
0: Man, I love to travel. I love to travel yeah. and I'm building my business to a point where I will be able to do that once some of these things be- do become a little more passive, like mm-hmm. we talked about. Before I started this business, my, my wife and I used to travel a lot more. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting, getting back to that. Of course, COVID happened and that's really what started the interruption in the first place. But, but yeah. <laughs> For sure.
2: yeah, yeah. Good. All right. Number four, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what did business advice or life advice would you give to your younger self?
0: don't be afraid. I think fear of failure, especially depending on how you grew up, fear of failure is a huge motivating factor. When I say motivating factor, it motivates the way we act for action or lack thereof. I had, you know, so much fear of, fear of failure in various points in life. And, and because of that, I didn't take advantage of opportunities earlier. And that's what I would tell myself is, listen, don't be afraid, just fail forward.
1: Yeah. Last question. What is your strategy for creating time freedom and financial freedom for yourself?
0: Great question. So when it comes to time freedom, it really is about the partnerships, right? Breaking it down. I'm in in the real estate field, but it goes for any business, right? You'll have different facets of your business. Break down what you're really good at and what you can accomplish in the least amount of time, and then delegate the rest. Don't be afraid to give up slices of the pie don't be afraid to give up equity because and even this relates to the financial freedom as well i say this all the time yeah. you can own hundred percent of a hundred thousand dollars or you can own ten percent of a million dollars it's the same amount of money but one of them is going to be a heck of a lot more work right so <laughs> and then more on the financial freedom side i'll call it the walk away number in case this is a family podcast but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but understand the number how much money you actually need, right? I think uh, we can get swept up in lifestyle creep and like kind of really lavish, luxurious lifestyles when the fact of the matter is like really what we want is time. I'm really focused on living below my means and operating within that space even as I'm building my business and creating more passive income. Understanding that I don't need to go out and make $5 million a year or $2 million a year or whatever the number is I just need enough to support the lifestyle I want, which is just to be able to hang out with my family, go travel around a, a little bit and and really keep life simple,
1: yeah, I love that, man, yeah, I love that such a good conversation, yeah, uh, I hate that it's coming to an end, but man, Hollis, thank you so much for jumping on on the exit. I personally follow you on instagram at r e i Hollis as in real estate investor Hollis, and so. For our listeners, I think you should follow REI Hollis on Instagram. He drops some really cool, uh, you know, just short form videos that are educational, inspirational mindset stuff for a guy who hated mindset four years (laughs) ago. He talks a lot about mindset now. So I think his mindset has changed over the last four years, (laughs) which is awesome. So anyway, any final words for our listeners, Hollis, that you might have?
0: I'll hit you guys with a quote from Grandpa Hollis, my dad's dad he always said to reach for the stars and grab the moon. And that's something that I really do live by now is if you set really big goals, even if you fail, you'll have accomplished so much.
2: Yeah, no, it's so good. So good. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, everyone. Thanks so
2: much for joining us for another episode Own the exit. And we just appreciate you tuning in and Hollis. Thank you so much for, The gold that you brought today. And I'll be going back and looking through some of these notes and listening to this again, because you shared so much wisdom and we just appreciate you jumping on the show.
1: Yeah.
0: Thanks for having me, guys. Really, really enjoyed it.
2: Absolutely.
1: Thank you, Hollis. Hey, if you haven't subscribed yet on your favorite platform, go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review. Share the episode with someone else. It helps us to reach more people. And again, thank you for joining us for Own the Exit. Until
2: next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Own the Exit. Remember, it's your business and you can define your exit however you want. If you enjoyed this episode, be
1: sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes.
2: Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us reach more people just like you who are looking to own their exit.